Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On the podcast today, we continue our discussion with Bradley Hartman. As I mentioned, Bradley was born into the LBM business and in 2011 founded Behind Your Back Sales. Through his consulting company, he's spent over a decade helping lumber and billing material firms drive incremental sales and improve their marketing to builders. If you missed our first podcast with Bradley, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Today, we're going to explore where component manufacturers should start if they're going to actually reevaluate their sales approach. Bradley, welcome back to the podcast. Sean Shields, it's great to be here. Well, Bradley, let's start by talking about the role of company leadership. In your mind, what ways are they responsible for driving a dynamic, high-performance sales culture? Simple question that gives me a great platform to speak for the next 75 minutes. So yeah, go for it. Buckle up, Sean. I'm sure everybody has lots of time. We do. Nothing but time. Nothing but time here. Uh, No, it's a great question. Um, And I think it's important because... I think we intuitively know and you will hear folks, whether regardless of where they are within an organization, they will often say things like, well, change starts at the top and leadership comes from above. And like, we know that, but sometimes when we start talking about sales, you'll have a CEO be like, whoa, whoa, hey, I kind of came up through the operations side. Sales is like this other thing. And we have a very simple model uh, when I'm talking to folks about, hey, here's how we think about sales. Uh, I won't go too far into it. We call it the C5S model. I love a little acronym if that's what it is, but the C stands for culture. And then the five S's you have are strategy, squad, uh, selling process, sales skills, and sales tools, right? Mm -hmm. And I say at the end of the day, the the C is at the top. Culture, culture drives everything. And And again, we kind of know this, but I think sometimes folks fall into the trap of when we talk about culture, it becomes kind of this amorphous kind of fuzzy thing that's all around it. Like, oh, well, when you're in it, you know it. I'm like, no, culture is driven by behaviors. All right. And behaviors drive culture. So what does that mean? Well, I think somewhat, and people have and may argue this with me and I'm open to the debate, but I think it's somewhat binary. I think you can either say, hey, sales drives our business and operations is there to keep up and support and make sales successful. Or you kind of say, hey, operations drives the business. And sales, you're going to be secondary. I think it's really hard to do both. And uh, I came up with a great leader when I was on the building side. And he unabashedly said this from the beginning, sales drives the business. And he would repeat it over and over and over again. And as a construction manager, I often got somewhat uh, dismayed by this. Mm. And I would say, hey, we're busting our tail out here. We're trying to build houses and we're closing for a day. And meanwhile, sales is up there sitting in the sales model, collecting the big paychecks, you know, And he said, listen, if you want to be in sales, sign up. Here's how you can do it. Otherwise, sales drives the business. And they were just very, very clear with that. And I think as leaders, how we can do that, I think it does start with sales. You have to say, listen, salespeople are going to have a lot of autonomy. Salespeople love autonomy. That's great. They love that. You know what they don't love? They don't love accountability. And you got to have accountability. And when you have a, a sales team that's not only has some autonomy, but accountability, all of a sudden, 
operations looks at him when they're working a 60 hour week and doing overtime. They're saying, well, I know what he's accountable for and the stress that he has or she has. So you know what? <laughs> sales doesn't look that great. And they earn every penny they get, right? But when you have sales who they start giving away changes for free, and then you know that's a direct cost somewhere, it's just not a direct cost to the salesperson, then we start to struggle there. So um, I think you start with sales, but then you really go to operations and an admin and make sure those support roles are really designed to allow sales to sell the vast majority of their time. And when sales is doing data entry and chasing invoices and playing customer service and fixing the fax machine and attending the party planning committee, right? This individual's not selling. These are all these are all real trade-offs that we make. So I think fundamentally sales leaders can really be very specific about creating the room and creating the team structure that allows salespeople with accountability to spend the majority of their time selling. Bradley, I love that. I was I was trying to count how many times you used the word sales in your answer, and I lost track at about fifty four. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done. I mean, if you said it, I thought it was, I said it. I don't know, once, maybe twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know, in your article for the March April issue of of SBC Magazine, talking about sales, you argue the craft of selling is built upon meaningful conversations about long-term goals and the potential fit between two organizations to achieve them. I mean, that's a really good statement, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you can put some meat on that statement. I mean, what does that look like in reality in your world? Yes. Great question because consultants were really good at saying these things that sound smart and you're nodding your head and they're like, yeah, but what the, what the hell do I do with that? How do I put that into action? Uh, so yeah. I, will, I will answer that. Um, I think companies, I know, I know companies and I know individuals, they struggle to imagine and then define the reality they want to have in three years. So first and foremost, if you can help people do that, let's fast forward 36 years and look backwards, what would have to happen for you to be happy with those results? If you can just do that consistently, uh, with the right people. And sometimes if someone says, listen, man, uh, I just need a price on this. I just need you to quote this house. So, well, you're not talking to the right person. But if you can do that, help people imagine where they want to be in the future and then say, okay, well, where are you now? And where do you want to go? And what are you willing to give up? What obstacles stand in the way? And, you know, what are your kind of, we, we call them the NFPOs. Uh, what are your needs, fears, pains, and opportunities for growth? If you can get very specific about these things, because make no doubt about it, Every single customer of yours and prospect you're looking at has, I don't want to say unlimited, but a huge number of needs and fears and pains and things they're trying to work on to get better. And if you can come in and say, hey, let's figure out what's stopping you from getting there. I'm doing a lot more than just selling trusses, right? And I believe that for sales professionals and sales leaders or leaders who oversee sales, the gap is not in the lack of business acumen. And sometimes people say, well, I don't, I don't know if about finance or profitability. I don't feel comfortable talking the language of the boardroom. I'm like, I'm going to challenge you. I don't think, no, if you have that, that's going to be helpful for you. However, I think you need more courage. I think you need to say, you know what? You got to stop saying, well, who am I to ask that? I'm just selling trusses. No, you're not. You're solving problems. I'm helping, helping them be successful at whatever they want to do. And that's the difference in my mind from selling price versus selling value. So if you can just really... and you know, I would, if I would go back, whatever, I've been rambling here for the last five minutes. You go replay this. If you can consistently help people imagine their future and identify what's standing in the way from that 
and have that conversation over and over and over again, um, that's the difference between having meaningful conversations about the future and just coming in and just pitching price. I love that, Bradley. You know, what that makes me think of is this issue where component manufacturers are not necessarily thinking about the solution that their company provides. We, we have a tendency of talking about that in the association world quite a bit, but out there in the real world, you know, this idea of they're not selling trusses, they're selling solutions. We need to make that a more real concept. So it made me think of in your first article, you say that success breeds complacency and uh, it leads to sort of this order taking commodity mindset. And in your words, it's a race to the bottom. Can you put a little bit more context into what you mean by that and how that ties back to this like sell, don't focus on selling the trust, focus on selling the solution? Yeah, well, I would start by just saying, as I think this is fundamentally uh, human nature. Uh, mm -hmm. When you have success, you feel good, you've worked really hard to get somewhere, and then complacency take, takes over. And uh, I'm going to forget the name of the book, but uh, Pat Riley wrote a book about you know his the dynasty years of the Lakers, and he called it the disease of me, mm. which is at a certain point, everyone starts looking around and saying, well, why is he getting more you know, accolades and why is he getting paid more and why, why am I not getting this opportunity? And I think we all kind of intuitively know this mainly from sports, but it's much harder to stay at the top than to just reach it. Right. And I think if you just uh, open up good to great, run down these companies that, you know, Jim Collins and his, you know, crew of MBA nerds, you know, studied for whatever, 10,000 hours. And they found that, you know, within three to five years after publishing the book, many of those companies weren't top tier performers. So we know how hard it is to achieve success and then stay there. So I think it's fundamentally about human nature. It's not, you know, just us and component manufacturers, et cetera. Um, but I'll also hear that it's easy, especially in our industry, especially with the compensation plans that we have, it's not uncommon to have a salesperson who's been there for a while and he picks up an account or two and then the guy in front of him retires and he gets a new cherry account and before you know it, he's got a good set of accounts and these are basically acting like annuities. You have the relationship, you have the trust, the orders come in and I take them. And then again, we kind of rely on human nature. I'm going to do as little as possible to achieve the goals that I have. And, you know, before we know it, we're just kind of going through the motions. And this is a theme we talked about in the earlier podcast about what's the difference between sales and account management and customer service. And I would argue they're as different as finance and operations. They're totally different. So I think, especially when we've had, you know, largely the last, what, decade plus, uh, coming off to the Great Recession, things have generally been better and better after every year. So we have to just saying, hey, we're going to grow 5% every year. That's That almost happens, I don't say naturally. And I'm not going to say that everyone hasn't put forth great effort, however, uh, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats and overall the industry has done really well. And, you know, tying back to this earlier conversations about trusses versus solutions, I think oftentimes, and whether it's you're selling trusses or paint or anything else, when you come in and you're thinking trusses, 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 all we talk about is trusses. And then I come to the job and I see trusses, right? Uh, you go in to talk to somebody and that's all you're talking about. And I've been on the other side of that desk when I was buying for Pulte, I was buying among other things, lumber and trusses. And I would be like, dude, I'm really struggling with five other issues. None of them relate to you and your specialty. And for nine out of 10 salespeople, they'd be like, oh, well, 
Call me when you want some help dealing with your trusses. And one out of 10 would say, well, hey, then other than what I can sell you, what's the biggest pain in the neck that you're dealing with right now? And if it's finding a concrete guy or it's finding a painter or finding a babysitter for your dog, a good salesperson can say, well, tell you what, let me give me a day or two. Would you be open to having a 10 minute conversation in about 48 hours? Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scrub my network. I'm gonna talk to everybody I know. I'm gonna try, try to find a solution for you on the biggest pain in the neck that you have right now, even if it has nothing to do with something that profits me. Mm-hmm. But too often we just find, you know, we have all this product knowledge and we talk about our own business so much that we overlook the obvious fact is sometimes <laughs> the people we're selling to, uh, the people that we want to help, they have needs other than what we're directly what we're selling. So expand the way that you're offering and try to help any way you can and just trust that in the long run, you will find a way to profit from that. I love that. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing, particularly in the component manufacturing industry. It's, um, yeah, we're all focused on trusses, but the builder's pain points may only relate to trusses in a very tangential way. And that's the trick is finding those tangents and seeing if there's some other way the component manufacturer can provide additional value. Because I would hazard to guess, Bradley, that if that component manufacturer is doing that, if their their sales team is going that extra yard or two to offer up and to do some problem solving, that that's going to give them the reputation of like, the next time I got a problem that I need solving, that's who I'm going to reach out to. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Personally, in my business, the number of times in a given month that someone calls me and they begin the conversation with, I know you don't do this, but we were struggling with this and somebody mentioned your name. That is where I know, number one, this call probably isn't going to lead to immediate sale, but that's okay because I've achieved this area when they think, oh man, this is kind of a, this is a real hairball we got. What do we do? I don't know, call Hartman. Like that is, that's what I want, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know if they're doing this on something that's irrelevant to me, if there's anything remotely close to the way I actually run my business, I will be the top of mind because I'm, I'm top of mind on something that's irrelevant. I, be, I better be top of mind on something that's very relevant and it within my expertise. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I strive for. That's the goal. Awesome. All right. So for anyone listening to the podcast today, Bradley, what would you say is one thing that they should go out and do today or tomorrow to begin transforming the sales culture in their company? All right. First and foremost, I'm going to reject this question. I'm going to expand it if I may. I need two. I got to have two, but they're related, but different. All right. Do you accept? I, I do accept. <laughs> All right. And actually for both of these, uh, we have free downloadable PDFs where we kind of walk people through these models, hundred percent free. So happy to make them available if anyone's remotely curious, but, um, And again, none of these things are going to blow anyone's mind, but these are where we almost inevitably start the conversation when we uh, begin helping clients. And it's, do we have unbelievable clarity, 100% clarity on number one, the goals, what are we trying to do and why? And then, especially for salespeople, we're going to break down what are the specific activities I want you doing. And to give you an example, uh, let's say, Well, in general, we have the mindset, we always want people to prospect. I say, great, okay. I firmly believe that in good times and bad, yes, even today, you should be prospecting to upgrade your customer base and get rid of the people that are slow pay and are annoying and lots of change orders and don't value all that you do. All right, how much time do I want you prospecting? 10%, 30%? Uh, I will tell you salespeople in general overestimate 
normally by like a factor of five, how much time they truly spend prospecting. All right. Uh, if we ask them like, how much time do I want me doing customer service stuff or basic account management or heaven forbid, if I have a salespeople who's hunting and pecking with two fingers and they're doing data entry, like how much time are you going to do that? So if you know your goals, the activities that constitute your job and what percentage of time you do that and what you expect to get out of them. So, and we, we call this a part of a gap model. So goals, activities, the percentage of time in those activities and the output. Basically, this clarity around what's your job and what do I want you doing and what percentage of time. That is where we always start. Um, the second part of this for salespeople specifically, and this can start from the very top, and this can come from a sales leader, from a CEO, or anyone asking a very innocent question, and they'll can just say a salesperson, hey, can you just show me the value of your current sales pipeline? Doing this for a living, I can tell you, and there's some selection bias because if I'm talking to folks, they need some help in some of these areas, but I would say in general in our industry, maybe one out of 10 people can say, yeah, give me 30 seconds. More often the answer is, yeah, I can. Uh, can you give me 10 days? And this idea of who are your existing clients and who are your prospects and how much do you anticipate you're going to close in the next 30, 60, or 90 days? Uh, number one, that value normally doesn't exist. And when you have salespeople that say, well, right now I've got about $1.5 million in backlog. Let me show you how I expect this to break out. And this makes sense how I'm going to sell $500,000 next month. Um, and then if you can visualize this, we know that in our industry, when we, we draw pictures on plans, we redline the hell out of everything, go into a house on the back of drywall and studs, we're always drawing pictures, let alone the porta potty, just pictures everywhere. Yet for salespeople, we never really visualize. And I've found if you can just help people visualize, what did you do last year? What are your monthly goals this year? And what are you on pace to do with a very simple line graph that is very motivating and so it just feels, it might feel, Sean, like you asked for one thing and I gave you 12. I did not. I gave you two. I gave you two things. Uh, so goals, activities, and output, number one, and then the pipeline. Can you value it and can you visualize it? Love it. Go grab a pencil, grab some paper, and start visualizing. Bradley, this has been really informative. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. No, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, enjoy the ongoing conversations we have with you and your readers. Yeah, we, we will have uh, more articles from Bradley Hartman in the magazine. So watch for those. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcasts on whatever platform you use most. That way you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.